Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. There was a time in the not-too-distant past when most people wouldn't in Chicago know that the city had an inspector general. The specific office didn't even exist until 1989, but the IG's office and its work are pretty high profile now. This weekend, we talk with the head of that office herself. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Inspector General Deborah Witzberg was appointed to her job last year by former Mayor Lori Lightfoot, but she's been with the office since 2016, first as an assistant IG and later as Deputy Inspector General for Public Safety. Before that, she was with the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. She has a reputation here at City Hall as someone who gives the aldermen and women straight talk, but they usually don't appear to get defensive about it. Uh, We have a lot of ground to cover in this half hour, which we are conducting via Zoom conferencing. So I will just get right to it. And uh, Deborah Witzberg, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's it's always a pleasure. And I want to start with some headline news first. um, But I promise we will also look ahead during this half hour because you've got a lot of things uh, on the agenda as well. Um, First this week, though, there were reports that the U.S. Attorney's Office and your office are looking into how Bally's won the battle for Chicago's one and only casino license. There have been allegations that city officials played favorites. Um, What, if anything, can you tell us about an investigation? I can't comment on our investigative work. Um, So so there is nothing I can tell you. Okay, (laughs) I was kind of expecting that. This next question gets more into how the Office of the Inspector General works in general. But with all the turmoil and tension surrounding the ongoing migrant crisis, I'm curious as to whether uh, whether you and your team start considering how and where money is being spent. I mean, we're talking millions from multiple sources and questions about various contractors. With things like this, do you start looking at such things in real time? This is a great question. Uh, And it goes to the fact that we conduct a number of different kinds of oversight activities here at OIG. And while our investigative work, where we're looking at misconduct allegations, that work is confidential by law, um, our program and policy work is public facing. It's a transparency exercise. And in that channel of our work, 
we do in fact look at this kind of question and we we sometimes do look at events sort of as they unfold in the service of our transparency imperative because actions taken and decisions made in city government those things should be out in the light of day information about how chicago works belongs to chicagoans and so with that with with the issue of spending um in the response to the migrant crisis specifically that is something that that we are working on and that we have talked a bit about publicly, particularly because um, there are a lot of dollars being spent. There's a tremendous amount of public concern and a huge human service imperative. And so with all of those things in one place, this, this is a, a high priority question. And so we are doing some work to make sure that Chicagoans, decision makers and stakeholders and taxpayers and, and and everybody else at least have a clear view into what city dollars are getting spent and what they're getting spent on and how how decisions about that spending are getting made. Um, do you reach conclusions and talk about findings would be too strong a word, but talk about concerns um, as things are going on? And is there anything that at this point you think people should be paying more attention to or asking questions about? I think it's really too early to say in this particular endeavor. Um, I will say as a general matter, there are other areas where we've done some sort of some transparency work around spending. For example, we for the last number of years, we did some work around the police department's budget, just transparency driven work, kind of explainer products. Um, and, and so, you know, that all of that work has been driven just toward awareness raising. I think the the one kind of general thing I will say um, is that, as with all emergency responses, I think the over the overarching question when it comes to the migrant response will be how we balance the need for um, for fast moving response in an emergency against the need for controls and accountability. There are balances to strike there, which have to be responsive to emergency circumstances, but we can't sort of throw caution to the wind from an accountability and controls perspective. So I, I expect that some of the analytical work we will do will have to do with, you know, where on that continuum we should be. Hmm. Well, let's talk about uh, where the office is going to be uh, in the coming year. Uh, the Inspector General's website, which I will point out, uh, is igchicago.org uh, for those playing along at home. Uh, it outlines potential projects for 2024. And the focus is, is on public safety. And uh, this may be an obvious question, but why so much attention to that area of city government? Well, we have, there are really two things going on here as we plan for 2024. One is an annual plan coming out of our audit and program review section. And that covers, they look at all of, all of city government. The other is our public safety section outlook for 2024. So we have a, a, an entire section of our office devoted to oversight of the Chicago Police Department and the police accountability agencies. That's the police board and COPA, the Civilian Office of Police Accountability. So the, the emphasis on public safety focused projects that you see in our plans and our tentative plans for 2024 
are driven by the fact that we have a devoted section for public safety oversight. And the fact that we have a devoted section for public safety oversight is driven by the fact that that's an enormously high priority for Chicagoans. Um, safety and public safety reform and accountability and transparency in policing, all of those are matters of tremendous public concern. And uh, one of the priorities in the public safety uh, agenda was uh, was highlighted this week, and that is uh, discipline and accountability. Uh, the council's uh, workforce development committee voted to reject an arbitrator's ruling that the most serious disciplinary cases could be handled through closed door arbitration and not before the police board. Uh, from a policy standpoint, I expect that you would want to see the more open process too, but uh, I will let you speak for yourself on that. This is an interesting um, an interesting sequence of events here. Uh, Chicago's police accountability landscape is a crowded and evolving one. The North Star, from my perspective, in the police disciplinary system is transparency. We owe members of the Chicago Police Department and members of the public a transparent police disciplinary system so that everyone involved can be confident that when a member of the police department is accused of doing something wrong, that will get resolved in a robust and transparent manner. That's the North Star. The mechanism we use to get to a transparent system is, from my perspective, less important than the fact that we get there. We have done some work on disciplinary grievances that are that go through the arbitration process. And in 2021, we published a series of recommendations, things that we thought the city should do to improve the transparency of arbitrations. If where we are headed here is that more disciplinary cases than ever are headed for arbitration, that raises the stakes. That just makes it more important than it ever was that we improve the transparency of that system. And so I think, you know, uh, the the police board in recent years has decided has has decided something in the neighborhood of fifteen to twenty cases per year. Now those are very serious cases, but but it's a relatively small volume of cases. And so when we look at disciplinary arbitrations, whether that population of cases is is the existing cases that get arbitrated or the existing places cases plus 20 a year. Either way, the city should improve the transparency of that system. We outlined some steps to do so. Um, and I would encourage the city to take those recommendations. Uh, but we are dealing in, an, uh, in a, on a landscape that also has uh, collective bargaining agreements. And how much does, does that kind of thing complicate uh, getting things done. And yeah, it's easy for people to say, well, then we should just throw it out. You can't. Uh, but it does, it does change things. It certainly, it certainly does. Um, and when we reported out on disciplinary grievances back in 2021, we identified, we made recommendations to the city for things that the city could do on its own without, without anybody else. Um, we also identified some things that we recommended the city work with the unions to change, including, for example, um, the composition of the pool of arbitrators, the people who decide these cases. That's something that in order to change that pool of arbitrators, the city would need to work with the union, and we recommended that they do so, and they should. There are other things we recommended, including you know, making information available about outcomes, et cetera, that the city could do all by itself, and it should is the 
process of having the arbitrations, is it possible to make them more transparent? I mean, obviously the union's going to not necessarily want that, but contracts are negotiations. These things can be be settled upon. But is it possible to have these things more public and and still be arbitrations? From our perspective, yes. And that's kind of the the foundation of our 2021 recommendations is that even given the um the protections that are in place around arbitrations, there are in fact things that the city could do to put what information is available out in public view. And I think that that would at least kind of close the gap um, on the transparency concerns. And so I guess all of that is to say, I I have sort of take, I, what's important here is the fact of a transparent system. Which mechanism we use to get there is from my perspective, not, not the point for advocacy. Okay, uh, let's let's move on to one of the other the, one of the the top line uh, things that you're considering in terms of public safety, and that's operational competence. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean when you say that? And when people see that on the website, uh, give me give us a little bit of a, a sketch out of what what we mean. Yes. Uh, so. Let me take a step back a little bit in terms of how we set up these project plans, these documents that are on the website for public comment. So at the end of each year, we go through this planning exercise for the following year, as as we talked about, with both our audit and program review section and our public safety section. And this is an exercise in our thinking through what topics we hope to cover the following year. It's sort of a menu. We're not going to do all of the projects on these lists. We're going to do some things that aren't on these lists, but this is how we sort of guide our thinking. We post these documents for public comment and review so that we can make sure that we are making prioritization decisions that reflect the concerns of real Chicagoans. All work in oversight, in my experience, is all decisions are prioritization decisions. We're never going to get to everything that needs doing. There's always an opportunity cost. If we decide to, to pursue one topic, it means we don't pursue something else. And so we we want to make sure that we're making those decisions in a way that aligns with what people are really concerned about. So we we draft these plans for the following year. We post them for public comment. When we set up those documents, we try to organize them around our kind of strategic priorities, the the, the big categories of issues that we believed to be most important. And when it comes to our oversight of the police department, as you say, operational competence is one of those areas. And what we really mean there, you know, is that we want to get at how good the police department is at doing those things which we ask it to do. Um, and, And that takes a bunch of different forms. Some of those are sort of administrative. The police department is a very large, very complex entity. And it needs to run like one. It needs to have systems and infrastructure and policies and so on to support the operation of a 24-hour-a-day, 13,000-person entity. Um, The other piece is, is more operational, has more to do with the mission of the organization, which is that the police department has to be effective at its core law enforcement function. It has to be good at those things, those functions, which we've determined should be inside the footprint of the police department. And so the project topics that we think about are, are geared at kind of both of those sides of, of the competence question. Well, let's uh, use, well, I'll take one of the uh, subtopics uh, as an example, and that's missing persons. Uh, one of the first things you mentioned 
that those in, investigations have been a sore point in some parts of the African American community. Uh, there are a number of cases that are outstanding. Uh, uh, in fact, when I've talked with the uh, the head of the uh, Chicago Foundation for Women, one of their priorities are a number of missing African American women uh, that uh, the cases have remained unsolved. How do you look at that kind of thing, and how can you how can your agency tell whether those things are being investigated or whether those the missions are being met? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I should say that topic in particular, it appears on this draft plan for all of the reasons which you just mentioned, because we hear about those concerns too. And that's that's how this topic landed there. And so if we looked at, now, now I should say all of these projects that are outlined here, these potential projects are at very early kind of planning stages. So, so it, we're I just I want to be clear that we're not we're not in the weeds exactly on how we would go about this. But at, at a high level, looking at something like this, we would look at, you know, we would assess the department's policies around missing person investigations, what the rules are, what the expectations are, what kind of training people get to conduct those investigations, whether CPD's practices for conducting those investigations align with best practices. Um, what the experience is like for the families of people who report missing persons, et cetera. We would look at all of those things and then make an assessment of whether there are opportunities to improve the effectiveness and the equity of those practices. Let me, I'm going to come back to that in just a second, but I do want to remind people that you are listening to WBBM News Radio's at issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest this week is Deborah Witzberg, Chicago's Inspector General. And when you do investigations like this, and the police department is its own entity, of course, but with all entities, how much cooperation do you get and or expect uh, when you are looking at how people are doing their jobs? Well, in terms of how much cooperation we expect, um, I, you know, Craig, I was a Red Sox fan in the 90s, so I'm I'm an optimist. Uh, in my bones, I expect a lot of cooperation. I, I, you know, the law requires that city employees cooperate with OIG's work. It's a condition of employment with the city. Um, that's that's of course a little bit easier said than done. It's a little bit more straightforward on paper than it is in practice. Um, we work very hard at um, at maintaining relationships with the police department and other city departments which reflect the fact that they are both subjects of and partners in our work. Um, we have we have very good and strong relationships with the police department. We appreciate their cooperation with the work that we have done so far and that is ongoing. And I expect that they will continue to cooperate with our work going forward. Are you ever surprised by how much some, and I'm assuming there are some, uh, department heads or people within the departments want to see the criticisms want to see the bad news. Well, I think that that sort of goes to the the part of our relationship where we're partners in the work. Everybody working in city government should be pulling in the direction of a city government which more closely resembles the one Chicagoans deserve. Um, I I believe that to be what motivates many people in public service. Um, and I I find that we have lots of opportunities to work with our partners in city government to pull in that direction. Um, and, and 
And I, as I say, I, I appreciate the partnership of the police department on, on lots of matters so far. Um, another area that you're going to be looking at is training. Uh, again, something that is critical for what, uh, what kind of results we're going to get from the police department. Um, overall from the, from the, you know, 20,000 foot level, how do you approach something like that? Training is, is really critical. There, there's no real change without good training um, because no amount of good policy gets us to meaningful change. Reform happens on the street, not on the paper. And so unless we are providing good and, and clear and dynamic training to people, we're not going to, we're not going to make any progress. So um really there are a couple of angles on training we we have thought through some potential projects that are focused specifically on the the piece of cpd which is built around training um but we also look at training across many many different project topics so for example when we talked about missing persons we talked about the fact that one of the things we would assess is the training provided around that kind of investigation specifically so Training and the the quality and the sufficiency of training is something that runs through almost everything we look at. Hmm. Um, you, I'm I'm curious about one. How did the uh, the topic of detention aids, which I'll admit I hadn't even thought about those kinds of people. You kind of know that they're there, but you don't really think about them. How did that rise to be something that you want to look at? This is something generated by good interdisciplinary work across OIG and good collaboration among the folks here doing different kinds of oversight. We have a unit within our public safety section, which is devoted specifically to oversight of the Bureau of Internal Affairs and COPA. And we do case-by-case -case reviews of closed disciplinary investigations. And there have been some interesting observations coming out of that work, which have fed into our project work about detention aids. So these are people who are involved in the processing of, of detainees in police stations, people who are under arrest who come in for processing. They are, um, they're, therefore, they're kind of a front line. They're, they're police department members who have a huge amount of front end contact with, um, with people who are, who are arrested. They are not sworn members. They are civilian members of the police department. Um, and that's kind of an interesting thing. It's it's obviously a kind of core law enforcement function. It's being carried out by non-sworn members. Um, we see some things go wrong. Bad things happen in, in lockup. And we want to kind of get at what that position looks like, how it's built, how we are equipping people to get good outcomes in that position. Um, you are going to be asking for community feedback. And I do want to talk about that because I think people expect to hear things from the uh, from the uh, in inspector general's office. And there's people who want to call and make some kind of complaints. Um, but talk about what you want to hear from the community when it comes to how you decide what things you're going to investigate and what things people want to see you do that maybe you hadn't planned on doing. Yeah. Nobody knows Chicago like Chicagoans. And so we want to hear from people about what they are concerned about and what they think about the ideas we've proposed here. When we are going about our project work, we try to make sure that we are engaging with people who know these issues best. When we are selecting topics, 
when we're planning those projects and looking at what questions we're going to ask, we want to make sure we're asking questions about the things that matter most. And then we want to make sure that we're engaging with people at the end of the life cycle, when we've finished our work and we have something to publish that we want to put in the hands of stakeholders. So our ask right now um, is that people take a look at these proposed projects and, and tell us what they think and, and what their experiences tell them about whether these are in fact topics that matter, whether we've kind of described these topics in a way that resonates with people who have had relevant experience, whether we are missing things entirely, um, and whether there are things here which are among, you know, which are of particularly high priority. What things have come in that surprised you? Uh, and not, I mean, not just what, what you're doing in 22, but, but up to now. Uh, something where some area uh, was either a lot worse or a lot better than you would have expected. You know, um, that's a that's a really good question. I we don't get an opportunity to tell all that many good news stories about the way things are going in city government, but we put out a report this year on the city's outreach to people in encampments of unhoused residents. Um and and frankly somewhat to my surprise, that was really at the bottom line a very good news story. We found a lot of good news about good work the city is doing to make outreach to people staying in encampments and in getting people stable housing who want it. The city is doing really a, a pretty good job uh, getting getting people into stable housing and helping them stay there. Um, so I think you know uh, that was a kind of a rare opportunity to tell a really good news story. Okay, tell me a really bad one. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, we did a, a couple of, there were a handful of reports out of our public safety section late this year, which I think reflect tremendous, tremendous concerns. And those were about the enforcement of the department's rule against lying. We found systemic under enforcement of the rule against lying. I think that is a profound kind of existential problem. We can't keep people safe if we don't improve the quality of the relationship between the police department and the community. And we cannot ask people to trust a police department that lets its members get away with lying. Are you, is progress being made on that? Because, you know, every, I don't, I'm not sure a week goes by when we don't get at least, whether it's on the city council floor or among the public people complaining that they still don't trust the police that they and and cases that are being settled or 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 not uh where people have been in their minds railroaded i don't know whether progress is being made um on the lying front specifically until we make progress there we're not going to make much progress anywhere else one of the other things that you, I know, are interested in is how well the city allocates its resources. Uh, what kind of things are you looking for on that score uh, in this coming year? We will continue to look at the question of um, resources being spent, as you mentioned, on settlements and judgments against the police department. That's one of our statutory duties. We'll continue to look at that really with an eye toward the question of what sort of return, if any, we are getting on that money spent. Um, you know, over a four-year period between 
the, the beginning of 2017 and the end of 2020, the city spent a quarter of a billion dollars on settlements and judgments, $250 million um, on CPD settlements and judgments um, without a lot of mechanisms in place to learn any lessons, to improve policies, improve training, identify, you know, identify kind of repeat bad actors, et cetera. That's an area of tremendous concern. Um, we're also, you know, we're looking at staffing allocation questions in the police department and elsewhere in city government. This is a world of finite resources, both people resources and dollar resources. Um, and so we're not going to, we're not going to hire our way out of problems in the police department. We're not going to, there aren't infinite dollars to spend to address problems elsewhere in city government. And so um, in a, in a number of different ways, exactly as you say, we, we look at kind of resource allocation questions. Well, I think we will be checking back with you on how many of these questions get answered uh, in within the next year. But uh, before we wrap up, for people who do want to give feedback, how do they do that uh, and uh, and look at what your plans are and what they have to say about them? They go to our website, which is, as you mentioned, igchicago.org. And on the website, there's a place to go for feedback on 2024 projects. And when people go there, they can look at information, they can read about each of our proposed projects, and there's a place to offer feedback. Um, if that works for people, that's great, we'll take it. If people would prefer to call us on the phone, um, they're also welcome to do that. Our phone number is 833-TALK-TO-IG, um, and we're, we'll be happy to hear from people in, in whatever way is easiest for them to reach out. And with that, I want to thank uh, Chicago Inspector General Deborah Witzberg for spending this time with us. Thank you very much. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is WBBMNewsRadio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcast on Odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 1059 WBBM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 